0: Hey everybody, Uh, welcome to another segment of Honest to Pod, and as said in the last episode, we're still joined with the wonderful Adam Smith.
1: Hello everyone. Um,
0: Hey Adam, (laughs) and Matt obviously is here as well.
1: Hello everyone.
0: And yeah, so this is another segment, so we've done two of movies with Matt, we've done two agony ashes, which means this next one is another wonderful top five. So, because we want to keep the segment nice and quick, we are, I'm not going to give my top five. So, this is top five uh, between Matt and Adam. Yeah. So, Shakedown. As I mentioned, exactly, <laughs> this is going to be
1: exciting. Uh, the last time we did RuPaul Drag Queens, and I won that one. <laughs> and <laughs> the reason why is people are casuals, boy. They don't know the deep rooted people. They don't even know who Nina Flowers is. She's so important, bitch. <laughs> she could be on this list of queer icons, do you know what I mean?
0: similar to what we talked about in the last main episode so if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that um but we're kind of keeping with lgbt history and sort of icons as well so we'll just jump right in adam since you're our guest, yes. you get to go first.
2: Okay, great. So my first LGBTQ icon is Karl Heinrich Ulrich, who was a lawyer in Germany. And in 1867, he stood up in front of an audience of his peers at a conference of other lawyers and politicians and judges and said basically words to the effect of, I'm gay and the law needs to be changed to make people like me free. And uh the audience was quite surprised by that intervention. And I think it was probably one of the first times that a person publicly came out in the sort of modern, like Western uh liberal idea of that, of of a person declaring their their sexual uh identity. And uh and it paved the way for so many other things. So Karl Heinrich Ulrich.
1: He's someone I learned of recently when doing a little research. Yeah. Ah, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> All right. I was going to go with uh-huh. one at the start, but I just changed my mind now. So I'm nervous. So the first <laughs> one I'm going to choose is someone who I just learned about in this research called Barbara Gittings.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes. The
1: mother of the LGBT. I should have went later. Uh, uh, of LGBT civil rights movement. Before Stonewall, Gittings organized the New York chapter of the daughters of it's either B- Bilitis or Bilitis, D-A-B, they put, um, and helped organize the first gay rights protest at the White House and the State Department and organised the five annual minders at Independence Hall from 1965 to 1969. Um, she and Frank Ka- Kameny led the efforts that resulted in homosexuality being removed from the American Psychiatric Association's list of mental disorders. And I feel like that's a massive deal because the fact that we were told we were crazy based on our inclination is exceptional. She did that. Yep. Yeah. So she was born in Austria yeah. and then moved to Philadelphia at a young age. And it was legend has it that she would hitchhike to New York at the weekend, dressed in male drag.
2: Barbara getting, she's super cool. Awesome,
0: awesome, awesome. Adam, let's go back to you. What's your number two? My number
2: two is Lisa Power who is one of the contributors to the Logbooks podcast, the podcast that I make. And she is also one of the co-founders of Stonewall. And she also was a very early volunteer at Switchboard, the helpline, which is still going today, started in 1974. And she is just this amazing force of nature. I mean, how can you be otherwise when your last name is... Literally power. She is. Uh, she describes herself on the podcast as as a dyke who's been around for donkey's years. She has done so much for our community. She has been long been deeply embedded in um, initially gay and lesbian politics and now LGBTQ plus politics uh, and policy. Uh, she ran ILGA, the International Lesbian and Gay Association, for years. She worked there. She has. She worked for the Terence Higgins Trust in the UK. And um, she's just an absolute force of nature and like, a truly wonderful person. Uh, and she's a Trekkie like me. So, uh, yeah, Lisa Power. Go on, Lisa. Well,
1: that's the first thing. So when we were talking about Adam about the topics and subjects, he was like, um, can we do like sci-fi queer characters or like universes? And I was like, no, 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 we can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was just like, I
0: don't even know. What, what is it? What? Because what, what was it you said? You said you wanted, you wanted to do, what was it? Sci-fi queer
2: I think I said queer sci-fi universes or something. Yeah, um, what is it? But, <laughs> but actually, that's that's just a whole other podcast. Clearly, like I need to find other people.
0: <laughs>
1: that's niche. That's niche. But what
0: what is it? Because I I genuinely don't know what it is.
2: Well, no, I just mean like science fiction universes, as in like the Starship Universe or the Star Wars Universe or the Sensei Universe. Like these, you know, like worlds, sci-fi worlds, and like the queerness of like which ones are the best ones for queer characters or queer Uh, identities or queer ideas basically yeah that was what i was okay that was what i I thought
0: there was i thought there's a whole sub-branch of sci-fi that i had no clue about and i was like what
2: well the (laughs) thing about sci-fi is because it's all all allegorical so that's why it's rich for things like this because you know any particular community can like read themselves into
0: it Mm. but i guess Um, the x-men was all about that wasn't it
2: x-men is totally that Mm. yeah and the civil rights movement yeah exactly actually that would have been well there you go there's your number one
0: Kneeled it. (laughs) Um, Cool, Matt. Let's go back to you.
1: Okay, so this was originally my first choice, but I've changed it. It's it's jumping on the hype train a little bit, but um, I'm going to go with Marsha P. Johnson. Okay? Great. Um, uh, So the trans activist and drag icon was one of the most prominent figures in the Stonewall uprising of 1969. Um, She was, uh, or they, were a founding member of the Gay Liberation Front and co-founded the radical activist group Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, which is Star. Um, alongside a close friend, Sylvia Rivera. Yay. Um, And then there's a documentary on Netflix with the death and life of Marsha P. Johnson. And they said that, uh, well, the police had concluded that uh, Marsha had committed suicide, but that is contested quite heavily um, because I think that actually uh, she was beat up. So yeah, so number two is Mm. Marsha P. Johnson.
0: That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, Adam, hit us with your number three. My number
2: three is a uh, booan Temple, who is one of the lesbians who stormed the BBC 6 o'clock news in 1987 to protest against the then-proposed legislation, Section 28, which was the first piece of anti-gay legislation passed in Britain for decades. And um, basically, the 6 o'clock news was just beginning with Nicholas Witchell and Sue Lawley, uh, you know, sort of sitting stiff behind the desk, uh, shuffling their papers, starting to read the headlines when a bunch of lesbians stormed into the studio and said, stop Section 28, stop Section 28. And you can see clips of this on YouTube and you can see the news readers struggling to uh, kind of um, hold themselves together um, and you can hear the shuffles of people in the studio trying to wrestle the lesbians to the ground. And Nicholas Witchell actually reportedly actually like held down one of these women uh, and uh, in, to try to get her to shut up. And uh, they were taken away and arrested. And and I just choose her, Buan Temple, um, and and the lesbians uh, who did that just because they uh, I, I like I like seeing direct action like that. Um, I think it can be really effective, and I think it historically has been very effective for the LGBTQ plus
0: community It's a mad one i'm gonna to have to google so much after this i'm like <laughs> <laughs> um that's amazing go on matt
1: the next one i'm gonna choose is kind of sticking with uh my second choice and celebrating also black history month i'm gonna pick another black person um so justin Fashionu is actually my next Ah, choice so justin fashion became one of the country's most famous premier league footballers of his time um and actually at the time was transferred for the highest fee ever for a uh, black football player which at the time was the first million pound transfer he came out once he had finished playing um in 1990 but then suffered loads of abuse at the time and actually uh committed suicide in 1998 when he was accused um, of sexual assault by an american 17 year old um but i think at the time and even, that's one of the only stories i actually knew at the time even as a youngster of a young black person coming out so that was quite interesting for me just to remember so yeah justin fashion is my number three y'all
0: mm, that's a good one too that's a good one okay adam let's go number four
2: my number four is spongebob SquarePants. <laughs> next <laughs> question <laughs> absolute queer icon um he is just so full of love and um and just so full of potential and um always misunderstood by those around him and uh but it, but he's he's just such a wonderful i was going to say person but he's a sponge. sponge and uh and i think that the other reason why i'm choosing him is because um he sort of represents a kind of fictional character um that is that has that's long been very 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 important for uh, LGBTQ plus people, which is a character that you can read yourself into. Uh, um, his sexuality is um, not not disclosed; it's not part of the storylines of SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, or SpongeBob SquarePants the musical, or the movies. But we can all read ourselves into him. We can read our sexualities into him, and I think that that's just such a powerful thing that fictional characters can do. Um, that uh, that that give they give us the space uh, to to see ourselves in them and uh, to to queer the way that we look at things and the way that we look at characters and the way that we look at people. So SpongeBob SquarePants.
1: I did not know he was a legend. legend. He was queer. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: didn't. I not know either. <laughs> um, okay, Matt. Let's see. What's what's your number four?
1: Okay. So number four is Magnus Hirschfeld. So, Magnus Hirschfeld, the father of transgenderism. So, he's believed to have coined the trans uh, coined the term transvestitism. Um, he established the world's first gender identity clinic, whose clients included the main protagonist of the film, The Danish Girl. So, he transitioned to become Lily Elb. He began researching sexuality after moving to Berlin in 1896, where he lived as an openly gay man and campaigned for gay rights. He was once described by Hitler as the most dangerous Jew in Germany. And um, kind of, as we mentioned before... In with LGBTQ sort of uh, literature, and the entire library of its Institute of Sexual Science was burned by the Nazis.
0: Oh wow! These are great choice. Uh, yeah, I'm glad there's a SpongeBob in the middle there because it was um... <laughs> cool. Cool, Adam. Let's talk about your number five.
2: My number five is the um, the very very deep thinker and writer Paul B. Preciado, who has written um, has written several books, campaigned. Um, a lot uh, over the past couple of decades for LGBTQ plus issues, um, especially to do with gender identity. He wrote a very amazing and influential book under his previous name, uh, Beatrice Preciado, called Testo Junkie. And it really, um, he's really sort of one of the, I think at the cutting edge of thinking about gender and gender identity um, through his own experiences of uh, basically microdosing testosterone And um, thinking through that and thinking through what that means and the sort of the biopolitics of what he calls the um, the pharma pornographic era. And so it's that the way that um, he thinks a lot about the way that drugs, the pharmaceuticals, porn, sexualization, all influence how we think about gender and um, just a really, really deep thinker and a writer. So, yeah, Paul B. Preciado.
0: (laughs) I think I've known, except except for Spongebob, I think I've known
1: none of them. Matt. You're a fifth and final. My fifth and final one is Alan Turing. I thought I'd add him in there because he's come up quite a lot and he was in RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, So code breaker and mathematical genius, Alan is widely credited with ending World War II early. He underwent (sighs) chemical castration to cure his homosexuality uh, during his lifetime, which is disgusting. Um, And he was the subject of an Oscar-winning biopic, The Imitation Game, which went out in 2014. It's widely believed that he committed suicide at the age of 41 um, in 1954 few of these suicides which is, is not nice but that's my last one and um, I'll try well,
0: and- Adam we have lost Matt but uh, thank you so much again for coming on and recording both episodes giving insight into your top five icons absolute you. legend you've got, given me lots to <laughs> give me lots to google um, and so yeah I mean thanks again like, good luck with season three of the yeah. podcast like I said thanks guys you very if, much for having me yeah no worries and like, guys who's listening if you've not gone over <laughs> and listened to our episode before definitely go back and listen to the one that came out in Thursday, episode 96. Um, but by all means, definitely go over and listen to Adam's podcast, The Logbooks. It's it's yep. phenomenal. It's so good. But Adam, have a good rest of your day.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No uh, worries. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to the episodes.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Bye, Matt. I can see you've just come back. Bye. <laughs> good luck. Bye.